that's uh, 22 minutes away from 9 o'clock on Triple Z. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, week one of the federal election campaign. We'll talk about that perhaps a bit later on. We've been talking uh, politics uh, with um, Labor Senator Claire Moore, of course. Um, so we'll, we'll have a little break away from the politics stuff. Go. Yeah, it's such a, um, a perpetual purveyor of... Um, one, let me see which one we pick here. A new app from YouTube, new video app. Yeah, well, it's not not from YouTube and Steve Chen, who founded uh, YouTube back in the day before they sold it to Google, and they stayed on with Google for a little while working on it, but now aren't um, directly involved in the day-to-day running of YouTube. They've come up with a new uh, take on... Now, Mixbit is... Uh, takes a slightly different approach to what we've seen recently. So recently with both Instagram video, which is only 15 seconds long, and Vine video, which is only 6 seconds long, the whole focus seems to have been on... It doesn't have any of that sort of limitation. Indeed, you can load, vi- upload videos that are ab- up to an hour uh, long. Okay. Uh, but what they what Mixbit is trying to do, which is a little bit different from both uh, Instagram, Vine, and that it's all about mixing with your videos so the videos that you upload mm-hmm. uh there's very easy tools that it gives you to be able to uh edit you know mash up remix that particular video but what's probably the same tools are available with anyone else's video that's been uploaded as well uh, okay so, so it encourages you to basically play around and mix remix you know mash up um all these other videos that are out there on it I'm not so much convinced, to be perfectly honest, that this is going to take off in a huge way. I'm not necessarily sure that most people really do want to remix others' videos. Mm. They have moments uh, of whatever it may be. But instead, I mean, the, the, the people who founded YouTube, they've obviously got a good track record in the video space. Yes. Uh, so it might be one to watch. All right, keep an eye on that one. Uh, another one being put forward as the next Instagram. It's VSCO. Yeah, VSCO, Visco, as it's sometimes pronounced. It's not really so much the next Instagram, although it's, uh, because Visco is not really giving you a way to uh, share the photo um, right. that allows you to take photos, allow you to put uh, filters uh, over your photo. So a very similar concept in many ways to Instagram. Uh, what's, I suppose, novel about it is that it's a badges. Uh, and it also just seems to be attracting a group of sort of really good online photographers as well. So if you were to go to uh, Instagram and do a sort of a search under the hashtag, uh, you'll sort of get a sense for the quite interesting and striking photos that are being created and uploaded uh, using it. Uh, so uh, if you're not... So I suppose it's, it's worth checking out if you're interested in photography and, and seeing what for yourself or wanting to take better photos just using your uh, existing iPhone uh, because the, the app really does really does uh, allow you to improve the quality of the photos that you're taking. Okay, well, I could certainly try use something like that in my photo. <laughs> um, uh, now, this one actually is not just some uh, new whiz bang app that people may or may not think has any relevance to their existence. This, this issue raised now is about uh, about email, which I guess really app. 
Um, and the, the issue that's come about over the last uh, month or so now with uh, Edward Snowden, the US whistleblower, talking who, who exposed very, very widespread surveillance by US government agencies of their allies, uh, UK mm. and Australia. Um, lots of stories about that. Now, the, the uh, email provider... I think that Edward Snowden actually worked for... He has been using. Right. Which was explicitly marketed as uh, an email service that was secure, that um, you wouldn't have your data scrutinised by other agencies or information handed over when requested by government agencies. And um, they used quite a sophisticated encryption method as well, so it was harder for anyone else who wanted to try and, you know, hack in and, and read your emails to access it as well. So that... Which is a big issue for a lot of people, not just that, you know, ASIO or whatever be looking at their emails, but that, that other, uh, a really valuable service that quite a, more and more people are, uh, are going for. Uh, you know, they've, they've actually closed down, closed themselves down, um, what seems to be the reason that um, under the US law they aren't able to, uh, to uh, their data by intelligence agencies. Uh, that's um, that's pretty full on, really. It is. I think. It is. It is. It is quite troubling, as you say, because not only have they uh, voluntarily, voluntarily, um, they haven't been able to give us the actual reason why. Yes. Uh, as well, which leads many people to suspect, which certainly hasn't been um, denied and almost seems to be sort of winkingly uh, agreed to. It seems to be because they have received access to uh, some of their users' information and uh, data. Uh, and and one, of the nat- one of the features of those requests that the US government can make is that the uh, company or organisation discuss or disclose that they receive such a, a request. So that's mm. sort of why they are uh, in, a dif- in this difficult situation. And not just LavaBit, which is the one that, that Edward Snowden um, uses, but there's been one or two other ones as well, an email service that have also shut down in the last few days. So it does seem to be as though there is a... Uh, an orchestrated or deliberate attempt uh, on the part of the US government um, to gain uh, access, you know, have the ability to read and monitor um, more email. So this applies in Australia as well? Uh, the, the, the potential the potential orders uh, could uh, affect uh, Australians as well. Australia that do that sort of, or seek to offer that sort of service of being... Um Unhackable and un. Uh, I'm not aware. I'm not aware of any. I must admit that are uniquely or specifically Australian. Right. Um, that, I'm, that I'm not aware. I'm, I'm not aware of it. it, it this does tend. They, these companies do tend to be um, uh, based in, in in the US or uh, uh, in in Europe. Um, but this sort of you know g- guarantees that these organ companies uh, and also with their refusal to cooperate with. Uh, uh, law enforcement applies more broadly than just the US government. Uh-huh. It, uh, so what, what, um, you just use G- Gmail, do you? You just don't, just given up, decided you might as well just use them even trying to hide? Or? Uh, look, 
part of, look, part of it is part of it is that I I, I, I suppose. Uh, I mean, part of it is also that I don't I think have very much to hide. Uh, yeah. um, yeah, that's what they all say. Someone does mm. um, when 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 someone does say that, but um, in my case, it's true. Okay. Well, we'll um, just get onto ASIO and get them to monitor your account and find out whether it's true or not. And a uh, few politics, federal election campaign underway and all that, and uh, electoral rolls closing tonight, 8pm. Jump online and get on the rolls. Okay, then you forfeit the right to whinge about government or politicians at all for the next three years of your existence. And It's a very important right to be able to whinge, the right to whinge. So, it is. Um, being on the rolls, the um, only way really that you, you can validly whinge. Um, and there have been tens of thousands, it might even be over 100,000, I can't remember the figure now, but many tens of thousands that have got on the roll in the last week or so. Mm. So uh, you can be a part of that throng surging forward in a uh, irrepressible tsunami. No, me neither. One hour of our lives <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't waste on totally futile, pointless set-piece thing. Um, and, I don't uh, feel as though I miss much. No, no, um, no. No, indeed. Good move. Uh, we'll all know one way or the other in four weeks anyway, I suppose. Uh, is it a good move? Well, I, 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 I guess it's a good good move for the government. Uh, it, it probably makes Ford a bit more competitive uh, for them. Pierre Beattie's got a high uh, a premier and is still quite popular. So in that sense, maybe it, maybe it's good politics. Is it good for Peter Beattie? I don't know. I doubt it. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm still a little baffled as to why he would uh, want to come back into politics and he'd never be prime minister and um it's entirely possible that he could win his seat but labor could lose the election and mm. uh, he finds himself in in opposition so it all seems it all seems very strange to me uh well it's obviously part of his uh, strong commitment to the labor cause made by the guy who was the um candidate for ford who um well that's the ultimate i actually feel really sorry for that guy yeah, having been validly pre-selected to just be you know elbowed out of the way at the, the last it was, minute it was pretty fiercely contested pre-selection for that one too yeah actually had to go up against a former mp Speaking of candidates uh, being forced out, a couple of other ALP candidates forced out. One from Kennedy, which was, you know, Bob Cat is going to win in a landslide anyway. Um, but a uh, guy who sort of mouthed off a little bit too uh, stridently about Tony Labor will win, so he was pretty much a shoo-in to get into Parliament. Uh, kicked out on the basis of some abusive stuff, comments he made 13 years ago or 17 years ago? Or uh, like I think that. it was 2002, so it's okay. about 11 years ago. Yeah, um, raises the question, I guess, and uh, do you have to be just this uh, totally white bread, squeaky clean person to go into Parliament? Is any even a what would seem a fair, um, him uh, abusing a, a disabled colleague in in some fairly vulgar language? But um, yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have thought it was a hanging fence, really. Yeah, but, uh, and so it was is. a long time ago, and it, but apologize. Now, there are, you know, rumours and speculation that there were other right. issues and other instances in it. But if we were just to accept it in terms of, you know, face value as, as to what's been made public at, at the moment, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you. Harsh in this uh, instance. And... Uh, 
it sort of presents, I think, a bit of a, I mean, a troubling trend in that we see this during every election campaign. There are always candidates who get disendorsed for what is in their past. Usually, you know, the Liberal guy down the Gold Coast in the last state That's election right. who went to a fancy dress boat cruise dressed up as a pirate that was uh, apparently run by swingers mm. um, but there wasn't he just attended an event that was organised by swingers and that was it um, and again you know re- replaced overnight uh, in a seat that was uh, very winnable and was won yeah. by the, the LNP and uh, of course since that we've uh, I don't actually want to talk much not in the public interest and just salacious bullshit mm. tabloid rubbish but uh you know, I guess I wonder what that guy must be thinking. He just, you know, his sin was to dress up in a pirate suit and go to a boat cruise run by the swingers, and yet... Actually, in there, you, you are more or less immune, <laughs> seemingly, mm. and you can sort of ride these things out. I mean, look at Craig Thompson and, and Peter Slipper, and if all those sorts of scandals and allegations probably had become uh, public before yeah, they were... Yeah. Once you're sort of in the club, you, you, you more or less seem to be protected. But what what... I think it's going to be interesting to see about this into the future is that increasingly um, everyone is going to come with, you know, there's just going to be a lot more of this. There's going to be a longer track record of tweets and and Facebook photos for for potential um, political opponents to pour over. Um, And I I I think at Saudis, we're just going to have to, you know, get over it and accept that um, everyone probably has indiscretions in their past that they regret and it shouldn't preclude them from running for... We're not at this point now, but in, you know, sort of 10 years' time when you will have the sort of the social media generation beginning to, to run more regularly uh, for office, if someone doesn't have a social media past, hmm. I'd actually find that more troubling. Yes. Uh, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see how this plays out. But I really do think that these sorts of indiscretions shouldn't preclude someone um, from running for office. And the risk is every time this happens, uh, it also probably deters good mm. because of something perhaps small, perhaps major in their past that they don't necessarily want being um, dredged up. Speaking of social media and the election, um, some. Uh, assertions being made that uh, Tony Abbott's having to buy friends. And also Twitter followers. Um, People have said the same about Kevin Rudd's Twitter followers, mind you. He's got over a million, million and a half or something. Mm. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of Twitter bots in there. Yeah, well, we've all got Twitter bots mm. following us. Um, yeah, I don't bother if, if, a com- if a computer wants to follow me. <laughs> I don't really care. And that, to be honest, is really my attitude with this as well. I don't really, I don't really think it's a big deal. I mean, I, I, I don't understand why, particularly the the LM, if that's what they're doing, that there doesn't seem to be a smart use of their um, of, of of their funds. But it's. Um, I mean, I had someone on, on Twitter last... Because I tweeted, I, I didn't care about this. I had someone last night on Twitter abuse me for the fact that this democratic system... Okay. Um, well, it's not. It's just, it's just dumb. <laughs> All right. Well, um, we'll go out with your assessment of week one of the campaign. Any issues that you think have stuck out, either as being um, needing more attention or... Well, week one of the campaign seemed more or less to be focused mainly on the 
economy uh, and the various uh, costings, the promises that the parties are making, uh, interest rates, uh, as well as seem to be the deliberate narrative that both major parties and the media were happy to focus on in week one of the campaign. Uh, not as much attention, uh, at least from my point of view, um, on on some of the others said about asylum seekers. I'm sure we will get sick of that uh, by the end of the campaign. I think what's going to be interesting to see to track as to whether this becomes an issue this week uh, is that of marriage equality. Mm. Uh, Kevin Rudd did make that announcement. He, he would introduce a bill uh, for marriage equality. Is obviously very pre-planned as, uh, as his one announceable, if you like, from the debate, and they had all the tweets ready to roll. Ready to roll. Look, not much more, uh, especially because there's actually no real change of the Labor Party's position on it. They still are just supporting a conscience vote. Mm. Uh, it, it really is, I think, just a bit of a, um, a bit of a debate stunt will spark marriage equality as an election issue. Well, that's the thing. I guess, obviously, on the debate, Tony Abbott um, wouldn't commit to that, wouldn't commit to uh, having a conscience vote, basically said it's a matter for the party room in the next parliament. Yeah. Um, but, yes, plausible, uh, I would think. The Libs would monitor it, of course, with their research, polling and the like, uh, if they did think it was actually having a, a vote-shifting impact, whether they, they could well be forced into, before the election, making an announcement that they... Uh, put it on the table and potentially got, got it running. We've got another marriage equality rally happening uh, next weekend. Next weekend, I think it is in Brisbane, yeah. Um, so it, that putting the extra pressure on some of those seats in Queensland, there's some prospect of Labor now winning, the seat of Brisbane uh, being uh, an obvious one, probably the largest gay lesbian uh, transgender population, uh, which is uh, held by Theresa Gambara by about 1%. Mm. Um, so that... Could be the sort of thing, because she's... Yeah, Tr Theresa Gambaro's position... There was, she was asked a question about marriage equality. Actually, the first question that was asked from the floor was about marriage equality, yeah. uh, and, and her answer was that she supports a conscience vote. Right, but she didn't say what her conscience vote she, would be. Her conscience would actually tell her to do if there well, was a conscience vote, just that she supports a conscience vote. Goodness. All right. Oh, well, maybe she's still busy interrogating her conscience. Hmm. We'll see. All right. Uh, we've got over time, as always, because there's always so many things to talk about. But uh, mine's coming up next, and uh, Tweetback Radio uh, following that.